0: And welcome to episode 146 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris in the rain, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. Just as I hit record here, Shane, uh, a very large downpour just started about, uh, you know, I guess it's about 10 o'clock now on Sunday morning.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, like you're, you're a little ways away from me right now and it's been raining here for, I don't know, the better part of an hour. Um, yeah, pretty good soaker today. Mm. In fact, it's been been kind of wet a lot lately, (laughs) which is really good. I think, um, it's been so dry. Um, well, the timing for the farmers is not very good. They're trying to harvest everything, but, uh, in general, you know, some moisture I think is good.
0: Yeah and uh in order to get a good signal i have to record with my door open out here so uh not that it matters that much because even when the door is shut i think i still got my hand out (laughs) 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 so yeah we're we're having we're having some some pretty good rains it's unfortunate we didn't get this in june hey like if we had gotten this in june it wouldn't have impacted any of the astronomy and the farmers would have, uh, really had a game changer, but yeah, it sucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, a month ago, this would have been, I think a good rain for everybody, but not so much right now. Um, I think though it's doing like, I think it's hitting some of the areas that were, uh, burning, you know, some of the forest fire areas. So, uh, that's also good. You know, hopefully that stuff can get under control a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is that. Yeah, for sure yeah, for sure. so did you get out and uh, I mean we, we did have a rather uh, dismal week for astronomy, you know, but uh, uh, but uh, but I echo your comments. It, it is good to see some rain coming down. did you were you able to get out and see anything at all?
1: Well, last night wasn't too bad for a little while. Um, Now, I didn't take a telescope out last night. It was actually my wedding anniversary. So (laughs) I was spending time with my wife, but we were in the backyard uh, pretty much the whole evening until about, oh, I'd say 9.30, 10 Mm o'clock. And, um, uh, you know, our skies were pretty clear um, and, and very transparent, except there were some clouds floating by. So they got in the way a little bit, but I was doing some visual astronomy, um, just looking at the constellations. The moon looked phenomenal naked eye last night. I don't know if you had Ooh. a chance to look at it, but um, like sometimes I struggle to see um, some of the variations with like the, like the darker gray areas, you know, it almost looks like one sort of palette or one sort of shade. Um, yeah. Whereas last night it was like, you know variations uh, like uh, of the the like the the, I guess the shading or the darkness of the gray areas um I even felt like you know like some of the topography was almost starting to become visible like it just seemed to like like photo Photo ask naked eye which um you know I don't know if I've ever seen it look that good before naked eye um, yeah. So that was kind of neat. Um, and then the other thing is I, I I sent you a picture of some new binoculars that old oh, yeah. binoculars, but new to me. Um, so what they are is they are Bushnell broad fields, and um some people would call them opera glasses, um, other people call them miniature binoculars, but they're just tiny, they're six by twenty-fives. Um, they fit in the palm of your hand, and um Um, like they fold up into almost nothing too. Like they, they're very compact. Um, what, what is intriguing about these Bushnell broadfields is, um, there are, they have an 11 degree field of view, which is quite wide as you know, you and I have talked about lots in the past. Um, 25 millimeter objectives is a little light or a little small for astronomical purposes. Um, but you know, what, what kind of frustrates me is you, you read about, like binocular use for astronomy and a lot of people pan six by 25s or basically probably just about anything under 35 millimeter. Uh, A lot of people say it's just, it's not enough aperture for astronomy. The light gathering isn't that great but it's all relative. It, it's not great compared to seven by fifties, but it's way better than what my eyes can do. <laughs> you know. And, yeah. and, and six by 25s, uh, will show you more of the sky than you can see with your eyes. And to me, that's awesome. So, um, what, what else is, I, I I'm kind of going off in a whole bunch of directions here. Um, yeah. I've always wanted these Bushnell's. I love, I love the looks of them. Like these old miniature binoculars are almost like an exoskeleton. It's like they're missing the body of the binoculars, so you can. Yeah,
0: they're really weird looking. They, it looks like they just took the prisms and some eyepieces and then just sort of held them in place and then coated the area in between with uh, aluminum or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it is, it is a really unique design. Um, maybe one that would be more familiar with, with listeners could be the, the Nikon micron binoculars. Um, Nikon made the, this model called the micron, and I think they released them in like 1917 or the early or 1900s. And, um, like it's the exact design of these Bushnell broadfields. And then Nikon re-released the microns, um, just within the last, I'd say three to Whoa, five years. What's that? They're like $300 Canadian. <laughs> they're ex- they're very expensive. Yeah. The the new Nikons are really expensive and they're only, I think, like an eight degree field of view. And I also think they're six by 15s. Like they're, they're even smaller than mine. So yeah,
0: I'm looking at, there's one here, seven by 15. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bushnell Broadfields, um, are very well re- like regarded. If you, if you read through cloudy nights, uh, about miniature binoculars, uh, a number of folks say that the Bushnell broadfields are kind of upper echelon and, um, they were made by, well, uh, uh is, how do you pronounce it? asai maybe, um, that's I how know. I would say it. Acai. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's, it's Pentex, uh, the Pentex corporation, Um, and as such, you know, the optics are, are quite good. Um, eye relief on these things is terrible. Um, I would say no more than 10 millimeters, maybe even a little bit less. Um, you know, I, I definitely had to get my eyes, like the, the eyelashes were brushing the lens (laughs) when I would blink, if I wanted to see the entire 11 degree field of view. Um, but you know, as far as these old wide field binos go, um, I think you and I, Chris, have the same sort of love and hate for them. And the hate is that the field just isn't good on the edges. In fact, it deteriorates quite a bit, you know, on the outer 30-ish percent, you know, depending on the quality of the set you got. Yeah. Um, these, these Bushnells, they do break down at the edge, but... I would say it's, it's less than usual. Like the other wide fields that you and I you have used, um, th- these are far better, uh, on the edges. Like I'd say maybe the outer 15 to 20% is, is quite degraded, um, with the rest of it being pretty decent. Yeah. And, um, the other thing that really stands out about these is how heavy they are. You would think something that, you know, fits in your hand wouldn't weigh much at all, but these things must be built like to you know survive a, a bomb blast because man they are heavy um yeah. yeah at least heavy for their size like they're actually quite comfortable to still hold up and use um so anyway yeah I, I gave them a little bit of a spin last night and and I was pleased with them um I'm not sure how much I'll use them they're I just love the aesthetics of them it's almost more of like put it you know in the bookshelf beside the books for you know a little a little I don't know Decor <laughs> in, enhancement, but, but uh, so what is,
0: yeah. What does your spouse uh, think of your uh, of your uh, home decorating stylings?
1: <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> I, no, I, I, I thought this house could use another telescope. Really, I did. Yeah. I was just doing it. I was doing it for the decor. Not for my astronomical <laughs> purposes
1: <laughs> well you know I did I did show Jess a picture of, of some burlaback tripods because the the tripod that I'm using is just like an aluminum manfrotto tripod and and I said um you know these burlabacks look really nice and she yeah. agreed she she actually would prefer the the nice wooden tripod to be out in the main room rather than my you know aluminum photographic tripod yeah um, so maybe there's something to that i I, I can start. Selling future purchases as as decor upgrades.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Once you get into the really expensive stuff, things actually start looking good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, for anybody that's interested in seeing what these Bushnell broadfields look like, I did tweet out a picture. Um, So we are at actual astronomy on Twitter. Uh, You can see it there, or if you just do an internet search for Bushnell broadfields or or miniature binoculars, um, you'll find them. The other, maybe another, couple of points I'll, I'll talk about with these things. That's kind of unique as well is, um, you know, most binoculars have a central focus wheel, you know, and you just rack that back and forth to achieve your focus. And then one of the, uh, one of the eyepieces will have a diopter adjustment to compensate for the difference in our eyes. These things do not have a central focuser. You focus like basically both eyepieces have a diopter adjustment or a, a focus adjustment. So you, you focus them independently, and um a lot of these uh, older miniature binoculars are like that although some do have um a central focus yeah um, although one of one of the 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 eyepiece on the left hand side um like they they i don't know what kind of grease they used in these things but over time like these things are probably 50 60 years old um over time that grease really just turns into cement (laughs) and I cannot rotate, uh, the left eyepiece diopter adjustment. Um, I basically have to unscrew it or screw it into the body of the binocular to achieve focus. Um, and there's a, there's an interesting website. It's miniature com, and it's, (laughs) um, yeah, this is a, this is a a rabbit hole that I've gone down, Chris. (laughs) It's uh, a lot going on here. Um, (laughs) uh yeah miniature binoculars.com and um anyway m- m- what what a lot of this is is like a giant database of all of the serial numbers and models of these things that have been made um actually maybe it's not miniature i'm trying to find i'll find it um but they have uh, instructions on how to correct like this kind of cement issue that i have <laughs> so um oh yeah no it is miniature binoculars.com and um, and, um Anyway, if anybody's interested in these miniature binoculars, uh, that website is a great resource. There's all sorts of photos. There is a, like there's, I don't know how many there are, but there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of these little miniature binoculars out there, you know, in terms of differences of size, of make, of magnification. So it's, uh, it's kind of a neat thing. Um, if you're into binoculars, they're, they're sort of unique. Um, so check it out.
0: Well if if you like those, then you, you should try the ones I always there's I can't remember I can't remember the, the name of them, but there's uh I think there's a Nikon eight by thirty or something or eight by thirty-two that uh, that can be found for for uh you know a few hundred bucks. And it's supposed to be pretty alpha. And then there's the ultimate, which is the uh comms KOMZ, K-O-M-Z or Z. And it's a six by twenty-four. And that apparently is the best one in these these sort of uh, 30 or 20 20 odd to 30 odd millimeter range is the the KOMZ six by twenty-four. I'd always want to look through a pair, but but again, because like I, I can't wear glasses when I when you can't wear glasses when you use these binoculars. And when I take my glasses off and look through binoculars, you know, I might as well be looking through a couple uh, What do you call them? Those, those, uh, those fun things you have when you're a kid, and and uh, you know you would turn it, and it would have all kinds of weird and wacky um, patterns and designs. It's kind of like one of those
1: a kaleidoscope.
0: That's right, like looking through a couple of kaleidoscopes almost. So, but uh, yeah, you must not suffer as badly as I do.
1: No, no, I, my astigmatism is like my, my left eye is really good. I I don't think I really have any astigmatism there. My right eye does have the astigmatism, but it's not too bad. And I can typically just deal with it. Um, What I am really sensitive to is, is um, like edge of field distortion or or chromatic aberration. It it just drives me nuts. And, you know, some people are, you know, they don't see it or they're just not as sensitive to that part of, uh, of the optics, but, uh, comms are Russian, I think, aren't they? They're Russian made binocular. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, So they're
0: they're supposed to be something else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're I think comms is well-regarded in general for their binos. I I think that, uh, they're quite, they, they make, they make good optics anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I gotta get my, I have a Russian telescope. I gotta get up and running at some point. I have a Santel, uh, 150 millimeter, like a six inch, and it's a beautiful telescope just sitting sealed in a case, in my house. <laughs> I gotta get that running at some point. Now I, I used to use it a long time ago. Beautiful uh, planetary images through it.
1: Is it a Mac? Like a Mac Sudo? Yeah, uh,
0: it's yeah, it's uh I think it's a RUMAC MacSudo.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. it's got the uh it's got the secondary, but unlike most of the mass produced ones you see now, it's not a mirror. Uh, like it's not a like a spot in the meniscus that they've just sort of either glued on or polished up or whatever. It's actually more like a, like a, like a Schmidt cast screen where it's a a separate secondary. And what they, what they do, my understanding is with the, uh, with these ones, they use um, the tool that was used to grind out the primary as the corrector. So it's perfectly matched. Oh, wow. And And then they, there's some sort of magic with the uh, with the secondary mirror itself, um, but yeah, the images. I mean, yeah, there. It's really it really is just like a, a four inch uh, a telescope. Maybe even just a scooch better, except the cool down is just a real uh, pain because it's a closed system. You know, you've got that uh, sort of uh, bottle of water effect where you know you can take that bottle of water and you you leave it in your hot car all day and then and then you go and reach for it at, at midnight or whatever, and, and you bring it out into the outside. I mean, you know, the bottle of water will seem so much warmer than the, than the outside. And that's uh, kind of what happens with, uh, with these closed uh, tube telescopes uh, and where we are, we have such a large uh, temperature Delta, big difference between daytime highs and nighttime lows. Last weekend, we were 38 degrees, maybe close to 40 degrees above. And we went to, seven or eight degrees uh, by the time I went to bed and we were packing up the scope. So mm-hmm. closed two systems uh, really struggling in that. Uh, and, and, you know, nothing wrong with the systems. like, the, it can be perfect optically, but uh, when it's close like that, it's really, really a challenge to get them to catch up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've owned five inch and I think I owned a six. Inch. Yeah. It was a one fifty, uh max suit of both sky watchers. And uh, I just, I could never really get them to acclimatize. Um, and uh, as such, I, I sold them. Um, it just takes too long to, or for me anyway. And, and part of it was I, I had them in my observatory when I used to have the observatory and it just got too hot in there during the day. And then, you know, like if it was 30 degrees outside, it would be 40 degrees inside of the observatory. And uh, the telescope just never could recover really from that. It, it had a hard time cooling off. Um, I know you can get cooling systems or like, you know, fans that sort of circulate air to expedite the cooling of these closed systems, but, um, I never went down that path.
0: Yeah. And I've seen, uh, my friend Randall, who's been on the show before, um, he, he did his five inch that he bought with, uh, it's like, uh, almost like that reflective wrap that you use to put in the windscreen of your car when you leave it on a hot day. Mm. He did something with that, and said he had he had pretty good success. Um, but he's in a major city, and and that city, which I used to live near, um, doesn't uh, doesn't have the the as large swings as we do. So I think he's only he's only probably working with maybe ten or or at most fifteen degree temperature swings. Um, and we're, do- we're we're double that on any day. We're we're uh, twenty to thirty. Here comes the train. You can hear the train coming by in the distance. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> Not, not nothing coming through yet <laughs> Nothing coming through yet.
0: yeah it doesn't it doesn't get too close it's it's several miles away but uh there's not much out here it's very quiet and we were surprised when we woke up the first sunday morning and uh and we could hear the train i was like whoa man it's like a few miles right now. anyway that that's as loud as it gets so if you didn't hear that uh it uh it won't be heard yeah so the only thing i saw this week was the moon and jupiter um last night it uh it totally cleared out out here. So where this, where this spot is uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to uh, get a spot out here is that um, this spot here tends to clear out um, at night. I don't know why um, something to do with the topography, but it, it can be just a little bit clearer here than in other in other spots. Um, and it did totally clear out, but, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't go out. I'm still kind of recovering from last week and this was my first week back in the office uh, after 20 months of not being in the office. so, so there, there was that. and uh, first uh, first week back there where we're you know then trying to, to get out here and uh, and so we had packed up on on Thursday night and I was all ready to come out here right after work on Friday and I get notification that I have a package arriving. so my my Telegizmos 365 scope cover, uh that i ordered last month it arrived so nice. uh so it, it's here now not really in a way this is not an exciting um item because it's not like you know uh pair of binoculars or you're not going to look through it um but i'm really hoping it becomes a game changer so that i can uh, like i said i want to uh get out here i want to you know i don't know about setting up an observatory you know, that, that's the one thing I think that, that most people jump right to um, when they think about getting a spot to, to do astronomy. And uh, this place is kind of dual purpose, like a place for us to get away on the weekends. And it has an adjoining um, uh, section of land that was also with, with this parcel that uh, is, I think, perfect for doing astronomy. And uh, but, but I don't know. I, I don't know about setting up a permanent, permanent uh, observatory, maybe at some point. Um, but I want to be really careful. Like you said, you get into heat issues. I I know a lot of people get into a lot of other challenges with them and I really just want to observe. So, um, my, my initial plan is to uh, be able to come out, set up a scope and throw the uh, cover over
1: it.
0: And, uh, heck like in the, in the autumn or other times of year, I might even be able to uh, just stay out overnight here if I'm observing or want to see something in the morning and just get up and uh, and drive into work because work is actually closer to this place uh, than it is to my house. So it's like 10 minutes closer to get to work from here than, than it is to, uh, to to get back home from, from here. But anyway, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about getting one of these Telegizmo 365 covers. You had one for your 12-inch, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I, I, I still and have one. I'm not it. sure. Yeah, yeah. I have the uh the telegisling for oh. the twelve inch and, and I still have it. Um it it like I can kind of use it with a refractor on a tripod as well. I just need to use a little bit of bungee cords around it to tighten it up where it's a little bit big. Um oh. yeah, yeah, they work great. I love them.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking I'm looking forward to that and trying it out and uh like I said, being able to to come out here even even if the weather isn't isn't great, if it looks like it's gonna clear off, then Get a scope up, throw the cover on it, go to bed, get up at three o'clock and do some observing or, or be able to have it set up for sort of multiple days in a row. That's, uh, that's my hope with it. Hopefully that works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, agree too with, uh, you know, not, not being too concerned about an observatory in my experience, there's only really two reasons to have one. Um, number one is if you're using a mount that requires, um, like polar alignment, um, then it's nice to just have the mount aligned all of the time. And, you know, you don't have to go through that process. Um, and then the other would be if you have just a giant telescope, like one that you don't want to have to set up and take down all of the time. Um, yeah. you know, that's another good reason for them, but, you know, for the way you and I typically observe, uh, with smaller telescopes that you can easily lift and move around and, you know, manual, uh, manual driven telescopes, there's just no real need for, uh, the observatory, I guess, you know, there, there's is one more reason that is, that does provide a lot of value to us. You and me <laughs> is the wind protection. Cause we often have wind yeah. in this province and it is nice to have, uh, the protection of the observatory. So you're not getting as cold as quickly, um, with, with a breeze that's passing through.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and I was looking at one of the, uh, uh there is a seven inch, um, one of those old mead, ed appos, up on uh up on the auction site today and I was like, hmm, if I get that, then I would need an observatory.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well there's a there's a six inch sky watcher uh evo or whatever it is. Um oh yeah on astrobysell.com for quite a good price and uh I've I've been sort of loosely thinking about a six inch refractor for um you know dark skies. I think it would be quite nice. Um
0: yeah well I mean yeah you could uh I, I have plans for uh, for for semi permanent wooden piers that you can stake into the ground. I got I got lots of spots here to uh, to put that kind of rig up. You're, you're more than welcome, uh, you know. And I'll even I'll even look through it when you're not around to keep it company. <laughs> yeah, perfect,
1: perfect. <laughs> you're such a good friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and I I heard from uh, Stefan over at uh, Astronomy Plus, and I'd ordered a Celestron power tank and a teleview three times Barlow in the end of April or beginning of May. <laughs> and they're finally
1: coming. Oh wow. What well that's good. Better better late than never.
0: Holy cow. Oh, yeah. I mean it's you know i and I'm not knocking him. It's uh there's been just a run on on Astro Gear and other other items like nobody's ever seen before.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for my vinyl viewer from Bader. Like there's no update as to when it will be here, (laughs) you know, and I ordered that in May. So we're going on uh, three months here and uh, yeah, I'm kind of writing off this year. Like, I guess it'll probably be a next year toy that I get to play with.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, as well, like we're getting like, once we get through this, this, I'm really hoping that the rain, uh, ceasing the rain finally coming to an end, fingers crossed will be, when we start to get uh, clear skies again, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I got to, you know, uh, start planning for that and, and getting, getting set up here. And, you know, hopefully we can start coming out like even, even on weeknights or whatever, it's, it's only a 40 or so minute run out here. It's not a big deal. And, you know, it's, uh, it's nice and dark. I mean, you know, sixth magnitude skies. And then I did test out the heating. I ran that uh, yesterday for the first time, because it was only 13 degrees. And Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if it's nine or 10 degrees out running one heater in here was overkill almost like, so we, we should be okay. Um, you know, down to some pretty, pretty good negative, uh, 10, negative 12 temperatures, uh, to be able to come in and get warm, make a cup of tea, that kind of stuff. So I'll
1: set up for that. Nice. Nice. Bring your own water. Yep. Fair enough. I always do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I have a new telescope coming actually what yeah i know um so i've always been intrigued by well obviously little telescopes but in particular uh takahashi made a, an fc 50 um uh, oh. fluorite 50 millimeter you're well aware of it oh yeah
0: yeah I've, I've longingly looked at those you've got one coming do you
1: i do not Oh, <laughs> but the story, the story goes on from there. <laughs> Thanks so, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, I still would love to have an FC 50. And, you know, if, if at some point I have an opportunity to purchase one, I, I may do it. But, um, uh, what, um, uh, an alternative to that is Borg made a 50 FL, which, oh, yeah. which is kind of like the 90 FL in terms of, which, which basis-
0: one are you getting the eight or the 10 yeah eight or the f10 uh
1: f8 i believe is f10. what this one is yeah um you
0: can do an amazing thing with that telescope
1: oh yeah well what's that
0: <laughs> oh I'll, I'll i'll send you the link so i i was looking at getting one around the same time we uh we end up purchasing this place and so my, my funds are otherwise dispersed yep um but there's a. Uh, there's a there's a focal reducer that you can get for that telescope okay. that will give you um, I think it takes you down to f3 or f4 I got the link somewhere anyway and uh, it it will give you a, a beautiful flat wide field of view it's actually designed for the 71 fl um, but it's designed more for the focal length than it is for the telescope. And the 71 fl is 400 millimeters and of course uh 50 millimeter f8 is also 400 millimeters mm-hmm. so i i don't know of anybody who's tried it but that's how the lenses are designed so it will it will work in that telescope and it has the right threads um the right thread capability for it and i did write a guy who was using it in the 71 and he said that 100 it will work with the uh it will work with the 50 so it's actually in a in a, cloud in a thread from June or May or something like that. Um, oh. So you can look up 50FL and you can see my my great excitement because I was looking at them for a long time too. Sorry, I'm sidetracking your uh, no no your bit here, but oh, uh, but uh, that 50FL is I mean that's probably one of the best little telescopes. I actually think that that's a better option than the than the Tac uh, 50FC because you can use your two-inch eyepieces and and a lot of the accessories that we have for the mini-borgs um, with that. And you should be able to, to use this focal reducer and still come to focus with those uh, eyepieces. And that will be just absolutely a deadly, deadly combination. Like I said, I, f- I forget what it is, but I think it takes you down to F5 point something. It might be 5.5 or 5.7 or something like could be 5.3. Anyway, it's sort of like the mid fives. So, um, but yeah, it gives you this huge, um, very flat field of view because with the, with the mini Borgs, they're pretty good. They're pretty good on edge. And you were saying you're sensitive to edge curvature, any kind of edge aberration. And this will give you, this will basically give you a 50 millimeter (laughs) petzval. basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. not even basically, I mean, essentially that's, that's going to be the design of it. Right. So, and nobody's ever done it before. So, but I was specking it out. It's not inexpensive, but. You, you know you you can do it you, mm-hmm. i think i think this is this is what to do with that telescope sorry but when does it come where did you get it did you buy it from japan
1: yeah yeah uh got it on buyee for a pretty good price um i think it was about 250 canadian um which that is- Yeah. So, you know, one of the key things here was like you said, we have all of the pieces already because of the mini Board 50. So, you know, I have a lot of components that I can, um, you know, make this other thing work. Um, there's a, there's a good review of this little telescope on scope views.co.uk. Yeah. um, Yeah. 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 And he talks about like the FC 50 and comparing the two telescopes and, You know, what's quite interesting is the air gap in the Borg, which really, you know, allows them to fine tune the optics and make sure that this thing is like tip top. So, um, I've been so impressed with how our little mini Borgs perform. I kind of thought, you know, having an F8, uh, fluorite version of this would be incredible. Um, and just every review I read of this little telescope is outstanding. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to receive it. Um, I'm hoping it comes this coming week or weekend. Um, probably like within the next seven days, I should have this thing and uh, start to play around with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I struggled with is that I have the 60 fluoride and, and it's F nine or F 5.9. And, uh, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to then, uh, justify having, Mm -hmm. uh, Whatever it is, three hundred and fifteen or three hundred and twenty millimeter focal length, uh, fifty millimeter. Once you do all this fancy stuff to it, because because the Takahashi sixty at f five point nine, to me it looks flat. So, you know, yeah. But I would love to run them side by side. I think I think that that would just be uh, really quite tickling to be able to go back and forth between um, those two telescopes and then really see which one is uh, is sort of. Uh, what i would prefer because i mean geez i might even sell my my tax 60 if i like the the uh the 50 but yeah you need to get the focal reducer for it but there is one that will work visually right so that's the the challenge most focal reducers um won't work properly in a visual configuration but there is there is only one and and they frequently come up used as well so hmm. you're not paying five hundred dollars if you're into like the three
1: ish range Yeah. You know? And you said it's a focal reducer for the seventy-one millimeter.
0: Yeah, yeah, it works on the seventy-one and the ninety. Um, and then if you if you actually get the part number and you look it up, and you can find it if you just search for Borg on Clady Night's Refractor Forum, you'll yeah. or you can just go through my posts. And it's probably the last post I made because I don't post there very often. So and it's it's sometime in the past, um, like I said, May or June. And then because um, so I was just reading through and. Like I'm not really that engaged in, in posting online. And I was just like, Oh, there's a Borg thread. I'll just read that. I was bored one day, a couple months ago. And I started reading and I'm like, wait, hold the phone. This guy found a focal reducer that works visually for the Borgs. Like, how does that work? So anyway, but it's only going to work with those three telescopes. Right. And then you can go, you can actually go onto the Borg site. So I was like, well, what does Borg actually say about it? And they have photos that people were using the, 50 FL to take um, beautiful photos like flat field photos and do comparisons between with the focal reducer and without with the 50 FL. So Borg is actually like not saying it's for the 50 FL, but their, their demo photos were from the 50 FL. So there you go. I mean, it works with it. And as you know, with, with these mini Borgs, you can control your, your tube length of your telescope Mm -hmm. to, to guarantee that you can, you can get that, uh, that light cone focused um, at your eye, unlike most telescopes, you throw a focal reducer in there, it's crapshoot whether or not you'd be able to, to see the light cone, but, uh, chances are it's not going to work because the, uh, the light cone and astrophotography works very different than when you're trying to use diagonals and telescopes visually, but, but this one, you can do it. It will work. Absolutely.
1: Hmm. Well, I will have to look for this thing then. Um, that, that's intriguing. I wasn't aware of that potential. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. That telescope has a lot of potential locked up in it a lot.
1: Yeah. I kind of think yeah. it'll be the ultimate travel scope. You know, I, I give up obviously a little bit, well with this reducer, I guess I wouldn't really give up any of the wide field over the mini board 50, nope. uh, the, the, uh, Acromat, but even without the reducer, I think it'll be an outstanding, uh, little telescope. I, I think it'll work quite well.
0: Yeah, I, I think so, and, and I mean maybe maybe you won't want to. I, I mean, I, I just think considering all the parts from board that you have, all that you need to do is get this reducer, and uh, you'd you'd have like a mini Petzl. I mean, it would just be it would be such so, such a ridiculously good little telescope, and uh, and like you say, I think it ends up being just a little bit longer. I think it ends up closer to like 300 millimeter focal length than the 250 that we have now. Maybe it's two, maybe it's even as short as 270, but. Um, Regardless, yeah, it has to be. It's somewhere between two fifteen and three hundred, so it's not going to be much longer. But it's it's just a it's just a scooch longer um, focal length, which actually will make it easier to make sure that you can get eyepieces to come to focus. Um, but yeah, it would. I, I think it would just be a deadly, deadly uh, wide field little telescope. Just should hmm. be beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited for this now, um, or or more excited than I was. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm super excited. because I was right on, right on, uh, the buying path to get one of these. Cause I have loved the uh, little fifties so much. So what are you going to do with your, your mini, mini, mini board now?
1: <laughs> well, originally my plan was just to keep it run, run it as like my Richfield, uh, little telescope. Um, yeah. plus, you know, it, it really does, um, convert quite nicely into a, a finder scope, you know, especially yeah. with that short focal length. Um and the light weight of it. So no plans to sell it right now. Now, now that you've told me though about this reducer potential, um, you know, I, I guess I would if I can find one, you know, see how that works and the weight of it and everything. And if if the mini borg 50, the achromatic version, if it becomes redundant in the collection, then I would probably just sell it and
0: uh yeah, and you should be able to get a pretty good price on this um focal reducer because. It was designed, bef- I think it was designed, um, well, a number of years ago, and it's it's not quite as optimal for digital imaging, apparently. Like, it's like it's very good, I guess, but it's not as good as, like, the latest and the greatest. So a lot of the time, people are just selling theirs off in order to buy the newer, fancier digital version, which won't work visually, by the way. So you need to get this particular one that we talk about in that uh, in that thread, but, uh, but there you go. Yeah. I'm really excited now. So yeah, we'll have to get that out here. Um, and then get my 60 and, uh, one of the mini Borgs, and then we can sort of have the, the ultimate, uh, small scope shootout. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, I think one scope that's going to leave the, uh, stable is my, I have a little Zeiss 50 millimeter by 540 focal length. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's another achromatic telescope and it's it's phenomenal optics. In fact, I've had some incredible views of the moon through that telescope, but you know, how many 50 millimeters does one person really need to own? So, <laughs> so I yeah, think that one will be a victim of this purchase.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this, this Borg 50 is, it really is the ultimate scope. I think you have the Takahashi pedigree in the customization of the Borg system. And, uh, I think that's it. I mean, I, I don't think there's There's a better one out there. The reviews are spectacular and it seems to also be infinitely customizable like the other mini Borgs, uh, meaning that you can, you can use it in a variety of configurations. You can also use it. I mean, you, you do a little bit of astrophotography. It would be really cool if you, if you then modded it to work on your uh, on your tracking mount, even take photos, because then you'd have like a mini planetary instrument at F eight. You can put an extender on there for like F 14 you can run a focal reducer on it for a super wide field instrument. And then it's a little pets as well in that configuration. You could attach your camera to it. I know there's, there's a lot of different um, adapters for that. So it's, it's like a four in one telescope. It, it really is like the ultimate mini telescope that, that pretty much will still um, fit in a long coat pocket, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and so, you know, Borg, has the 50 FL, which is, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, the, the re-release of the TAC FC 50, but with a slight, um, you know, I maybe would call it improvement on the prescription and then Borg basically did the same thing with the 90 FL. Um, but the, the copy there was the Borg sky or sorry, the Takahashi sky 90. And, um, So like the optics are made by the same company. Like I believe Takahashi and Borg both get their glass made by Canon. Um, so, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're really getting some, some good performance and, and like, you know, so, so this Borg 50 FL was, you know, 250 Canadian, the FC 50, the TAC that often, like, I don't know if I've seen one that's in good condition go for under 500 Canadian. No. So, like, you know. You're getting a you know a cheaper telescope too, which performs just as well and and probably has more potential because of the modularity of of the Borg stuff
0: yeah so and it's yeah it's newer it has newer coatings i mean the coatings are new enough that it's you know you wouldn't notice a difference in the coatings between those coatings and and the absolute most current coatings there just wouldn't be um, a visual difference so you know but with the f c fifty the old one i mean those are those are decently old telescopes so. You're going to have a coating difference. And then uh, you know, it's it's gonna be a heavier little telescope, the FC 50 versus versus the Borg uh FL, which is that that's gonna be the most portable 50 millimeter you you can get. And I, I think the most adaptable 50 millimeter you can get. I I've never heard or seen one uh since.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to uh to get it. So I'll send some pics when it comes in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very excited about that. So uh yeah, I'm kind of I got one more thing to add to this podcast, which I didn't put in the notes.
1: Ooh, a surprise.
0: So, so I got the recent copy of Sky News magazine, which is the Canadian yeah. and I have it here. Sorry if my sound blanked out. I just moved it in front of my monitor. Um, the Sky News magazine, which is Canada's astronomy magazine. And uh, they so I don't want to say I was critical. I wasn't really critical. I never voiced my opinion. But they have changed the the appearance yes. of the magazine. And uh, yeah, thumbs up for that. I really like the new appearance. I think it's awesome because they're not, uh, they've are not. they just reduced the font size and everything to really display uh, people's astrophotos. And they put an astrophoto of one of my most uh, favorite regions, the Roaf-Yuki, um region. Although it's... Uh, anyway, yeah, it looks, looks pretty good. And then inside... On page number seven is our friend Kathleen, mm. and she she made a dress and a hat, and the hat is the solar system, and the dress is all kinds of her astronomical sketches during the pandemic. On it, it's
1: really amazing. oh, yes. I'll, I'll have to check that out. I, I didn't know that uh, Kathleen had um, some stuff in there, some content. So I'll definitely check yeah. that out. um I, I as well. I noticed the difference in the magazine. Like it, the paper quality is better. Um, yeah, like it. It, it's, uh, they definitely made some improvements and I, I like it. And, you know, if anybody is into astrophotography, this current edition of sky news is like everything you would ever want to know about astrophotography, you know, the, um, how to do it, your workflows, um, you know, different gear based on your budget. Like it's, it's a pretty comprehensive guide to astrophotography. And the other thing that's really cool in this edition, um, is, uh, there's a section on solar e- total solar eclipses uh, because we have one here in North America coming in 2024 um, it, it kind of gives you your checklist and like the timing of your preparations if you want to observe that so for anybody that is interested in seeing the 2024 solar eclipse here in North America it's not a bad magazine to pick up because like some of your preparations uh, should start now uh, for 2024. Um, and, and it, it walks you through all of that stuff. So I I don't think I'll say any more about it other than it's there. If you're interested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, hats off, uh, Alandria, who is our, uh, who, who is our editor in chief or chief editor. I can't remember which I've done. I've done some stuff with her, uh, in the past and she's great to work with. And so, um, yeah, I can definitely see her influence, uh, in this, uh, the way the magazine's starting to come together, you know, it's been a bit of work in progress here the past few years. So yeah, kind of, kind of credit where credit's due. Um, Yeah. Looks, looks really good. So yeah, with that, I mean, yeah, there we go. 45 minutes. We had some listener um, contact, but I think maybe we can save that uh, for next week. We can't, can't uh, necessarily get to those every, every week, but there's some interesting uh, contact from, uh, from Charlie, Corey, and Phil that we'll uh, maybe we'll touch on next
1: week. Yeah, that sounds good, Chris. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Shane. Do you have anything left to add? No, that's everything for me.
0: All right. Well, with that, we'll thank everybody else for listening and I will end the recording.
1: Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast,